This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder, the 200th mini. So, can you believe it? 200 we've done 200 times. <laughs> ah, that's so many 200 times. times. <laughs> the first, the first one was on. Oh, where is it, Stephen? What was the first one? The first one was, I believe, on March uh, 30th, 2016. Wow, and here we are. That was Georgia being like, you know, we can do this more. You know, we can do this again. And then just like, great. You know, your entire life can just be this podcast. (laughs) Just keep coming back to this apartment. Yeah. Let's do it. And we did. Let's do it. And then we did. And you guys played along. That's the coolest part is, of course, my in my cynical negative mind. When Georgia first suggested that we do a mini-sode, I was just like, no one's going to write in. (laughs) (laughs) Or we'll run out of them. Four people will write in. We'll have one episode. Yes. And and now we have just thousands and thousands of unread mini-sodes. And so Lily, uh, who collects them for us now, had the great idea that we only do minis that were sent in that first year for, yes. for this episode, which I love. This is the great get back for the people who yeah. jumped on board in the beginning in 2016. Their emails were ignored. Right. They quickly bailed on this podcast <laughs> and moved on to other uh, more um, welcoming lands. Uh-huh. And now we're going to read your, their emails to you. That's right. So let your friend who <laughs> who quit back in 2017 know. But the problem though that I found with all the options she sent us is that we hadn't yet been like, send us anything lighthearted. So all the ones I had to choose from for neck get really dark well and also of course i forgot that was what we were going to do as the theme so I, the first one i read i'm like i fucking did this one what's going on and then i was like oh wait 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 look at the date and then remembered that there was a whole idea behind this but right. no lily i love this idea of such a good idea because we, we would hear from people when we would do live shows the people would be like i sent it my email but you never got it you we're never like, read it and then we'd be like send it again because it's fucking buried at the bottom of yes the, you know Right. So basically, Lily dove down into the first couple months of the first year to try to get some of the oldest um, Minnesota emails that she could find. And so then we we from there chose. And you're right. There's lots of just like (laughs) it's heavy shit. Uh huh. I mean, obviously. Yeah. We say that all the time. It's But ridiculous. there's no happy. Gr- there's no grandparent stories. There's no f- found in the well, wall story. Uh, eh. Should I go first? Sure. Okay. This one's called. Happy is very subjective, by the way. I know. I know. <laughs> um, fucked up prosecutor puts innocent man away. Okay. It says, hi. So I'm from Austin, Texas. And our most well-known case around here is the murder of Christina Morton and subsequent imprisoning of her husband, Michael Morton. In 1986, the day after Michael's birthday, his wife, Christina, was found brutally beaten to death in their home while their three-year-old son was home. Despite Michael being at work at the time, he was questioned by the police as a suspect. I remember him saying something like, I thought if I told the truth, everything would be okay. They couldn't possibly think it was me. With no other suspects, Michael was put on trial. The Mm. fucked up prosecutor, while crying himself, the disgusting liar, showed the jury the absolutely brutal, uh, 
crime scene photos and claimed the motive was that Christina would not have birthday sex with Michael. Uh huh. With no witness, evidence, or good motive, Michael was sentenced to life in prison. He was 32. Their three-year-old uh. son went to live with relatives and eventually hated going to see his dad in prison and stopped going and changed his last name. Fast forward to 2001, pro bono attorneys working for Michael were able to finally get, and here's, this is all it caps, evidence that the prosecutor withheld from trial and the defense, including a witness statement from the son describing the killer and saying it wasn't his dad, as well as a bloody bandana found nearby. Oh. The bandana was tested and belonged to Mark Norwood, who in the subsequent years had killed two Austin women in the same way Christina Morton was murdered. Morton was freed. The prosecutor, now fucking judge, was held in criminal contempt and served five out of 10 days in jail, oh. a fine, community service and loss of law license. Five days in jail for ruining a man's life, his relationship with his son, and wasting 25 years of his life. Oh, okay. Years. There is now the Michael Morton law in Texas, which means that the prosecutor needs to give evidence to the defense, even without a court order. Crazy to think you could easily be put away in jail for the rest of your life without even doing anything. My, stam- my family still talks about this case, and everyone around here knows about it. Anyway, bye, thanks. <laughs> I think I feel like that's um, because you said it was from the 80s or 90s. I think it was 85. Let me look again real quick. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that story. Yeah. Or something. I don't think I've seen that one, but similar. I mean, it just happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time and it happens uh, to people of color even more. Right. Um, As we all know now. Okay. Here's my first one. It says multiple hometown murders related to a murderess. And this is from May 18th, 2016. Oh, so early on. Hey, Karen and Georgia, I've recently been introduced to your podcast. Thanks to the cracked podcast. And I am loving it. Once again, Jack O'Brien, um, host of the crack podcast had us on very early on and, uh, exposed us to lots and lots of podcast listeners. Yeah. Really helped us out. He really, it was very nice of him. I'm so glad there are other people like me. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. And oddly enough, we have several semi-famous murders here. But I'll just tell you about two and a murderess that I'm related to. The first is Jeffrey Franklin, who in 1998 was 17 and bludgeoned his parents with an axe. He also attempted to kill three of his siblings who were home with him. There were talks of him being a Satanist, but ultimately, I believe they narrowed it down to a mixture of prescription medications and a lack of sleep. Um... I bet there was more. I bet yeah. there's more to that. But the, pre- All the three prescription s- medication can really fuck if you, even especially if you're on like an antidepressant or something like that, that isn't that doesn't jive well with it. Yeah. Really- or you have over you mix more than one. Right. And you don't. There's like, it's, you know, side uh, effects and shit. Yeah. I mean, side really effects of some kind. Yeah. Um, all three. All three siblings lived. That's amazing. Um, along with the axe, he used a sledgehammer, a butcher's knife and a rat tail in the file. Uh, oh the God. second, yeah, horrifying. The second is more recent. In 2010, I was attending college at the University of Alabama in Huntsville and a teacher in the science building. I've This is insane. I've never heard this before. A teacher in the science building opened fire on her <gasps> colleagues during a routine meeting. Oh, my God. Uh huh. Three of them were killed and three more were injured. The survivors did so by pushing Bishop out of the room and barricading themselves behind the door after her gun jammed. 
Whoa. Holy shit. Unbelievable. Um, And lastly, I wanted to mention that I'm related to a female murderer. Her name was Viola, and she was my grandmother's second cousin. She murdered two brothers living on her property and cut off their limbs and threw body parts out of the car while driving down the highway in Andalusia, Alabama. the fuck? (laughs) Thank you so much for the podcast. Love having others who enjoy murder stories as much as me, Callie. Wow. (laughs) That was action-packed. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was almost like an anthology of horrible murder stories. Callie, great job. Good job back in 2016. Four years ago. Thank you for being here with us. She she is no longer a listener. (laughs) She started her own true crime podcast. She's (laughs) like, fuck this shit. I got stories. These people who are ignoring me. Callie, if you're still, (laughs) if you're still listening, we'd love to hear from you again. Just to give us us another story. Like you said, you had a bunch from your hometown. Give us another. Yeah. Yeah, update it and then read it within the year. Yeah, put it in a subject line. It's me, Callie. I'm coming back. I I never left you guys. Why are you so insecure? No (laughs) one needs that right now. Please be leaders. Please be stronger than that. That's right. Okay, this one's called My Mom Was Strangled and Left to Die. The good old (sighs) 80s man. Oh, what it's called. I know. Hi, Georgia and Karen. First things first, you're the realist. And I am so excited to have found your show. As I'm sure you've guessed from the title, my mom is still alive. But since you guys are into weird stories, I figured you would enjoy this. Wow. My mom worked at a hotel when she went to the University of Oklahoma back in the 80s. She was closing up for her shift and her manager asked if she wanted him to stay with her while she waited for the next employee to come in. She said no because she was a badass woman of the 80s who didn't think about the possibility of danger. And so he left. A man, let's call him Lester, since that's a creepy name, came in and was kind of pacing the lobby until he finally approached her and demanded that she give him all the money from the drawers. Moments Mm. before he had come in, she put money away into the safe box that she didn't have access to, which was not a satisfying answer for him. He jumped over the counter and pushed uh, my mom into the back office, then proceeded to strangle her. When he thought she was dead, he crammed her into the corner of a wall and pinned her body with a a filing cabinet and bookcase. I know. Lester started grabbing all of the money he could when a couple truck drivers came in. They were regulars to the hotel since it was on their route, and they knew to expect my mom at the counter. When they asked where she was, Lester decided to pretend that he worked there. Like, what the fuck? Don't mess with truckers, Lester. Meanwhile, he was putting on the charade that the guys weren't buying. My mom started to come too. She tried screaming out, but he had completely collapsed her trachea. So it just sounded like little squeaks. I know. One of the men heard her and asked what it was going on. And Lester was all like, she's crazy, man. Don't worry about it. She's just drunk. She was super out of it, but started to try to pull herself out from the wall, which just caused Lester to pick up his bags and get the fuck out of there. One of the truckers tried chasing him after him while the other helped my mom, but he wasn't able to catch him. Later that night, Lester was caught because he's a fucking idiot. A bar owner called the police and said, hey, there's this man in here that tried to come in earlier for a drink, but didn't have any money. So I kicked him out. Now he's back and he's waving around a big sack of cash and it just doesn't seem right. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. So fucking Lester sold himself out because he wanted a celebratory beer from the bar where he was originally broke. Oi. When the arrest was made and it was time for court, the weirdness didn't stop. When my mom went to testify, Lester's mom started barking like a dog and wouldn't stop until police had to restrain her and remove her from the courtroom. 
Uh-oh. I know. He was convicted and was to serve two years in prison, but a couple, two fucking years in prison, but a couple months in, he hanged himself. I'm sorry, oh. this is not a murder story. No, it's okay. But it I is. Figured, yeah, but I figured it, it was weird enough for the two of you. Keep up the amazing work you're doing. Can't wait for more sleepless nights from listening to the gruesome tales. Say sexy, Angelique. Oh my God. I know. At first I was like, we can't read this. And then I was like, this is insane. She goes to testify against him, which is yeah. so badass. He only gets two fucking years. Like such a crazy story. And those two truckers who cared yeah. enough to ask more than one question totally. and like have it not be uh, convenient or they, they yeah. were just immediately like, what is going Something on? Something is suspicious here. And they stuck oh, with their gut. That's so thank incredible. God. I know. It's and beautiful. She fucking survived and then fought despite the fact like fought her way out and was like, yes, it's can you you no. would go so insane if you were trying to yell yes. to people to help you and you could. Oh, oh, OK. Okay, good job, Angelique. You yeah. really nailed it four years ago. Thank you so much yeah. for participating. Angelique is now uh, moved to Europe. <laughs> she has sworn off all podcasts and tells people it's because of this one and, and her the rejection that she felt <laughs> from never hearing her podcast. We are email. so insecure. <laughs> I just like to imagine all the different stories of the people whose emails are at the, the bottom of the pile so and pulled up to the top. Us. Yeah, how many people did we like? Did we swear have swear off this podcast because we're like send us your letters your letters we'll read them and then we're like we're yep. not reading yours. Well, we it's because we didn't realize we were going to get right. literally fifteen thousand. We are trying to get to all of your emails, friends, <laughs> but we're not interested in organizing anything. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, classic. This the subject line of this is this might get a little long. Okay. Um, <laughs> So it's just it just starts. This is really my friend's story, but I really don't expect him to tell it. I'll do my best. Years ago, I had this friend. Let's call him Tim. And Tim was living with two other guys in this apartment. And one of them, Corey, started to get a little weird. The kind of weird where Tim and the other roommate would joke about how if they had to pick one of their friends as a future murderer, they'd pick Corey. But... They figured it was probably nothing because who would ever expect their roommate to be a murderer? The morning before The Dark Knight was released, Tim walked into the living room and Corey was on the couch. Corey had been pretty distant for a while, so Tim was a little surprised to see him. Tim did the polite thing and invited Corey to the midnight showing of Dark Knight, but Corey declined. Tim wasn't surprised and was probably even a little relieved. He left the apartment and ran a few errands for a couple hours. When he got back, he saw a whole bunch of cop cars outside. His interest was piqued and he checked out the first and second floors but saw nothing when he got up to his apartment it was filled with cops the sheriff asked tim if he knew where Corey was and tim said no did he expect to see him no the sheriff left his direct number with tim to immediately call if he got word from Corey. so tim called his dad and asked what was going on his dad said he didn't know but would be watching the news about an hour later tim got a call from his dad who said that there was a middle-aged woman shot and killed in new brighton tim immediately grabbed his head and yelled oh my god he killed christine here's the story Corey gustad was dating this girl who was a little younger than him he was 21 and she was 17 at the time of the event but i don't know how old they were when they started dating in any case she broke up with him citing violent tendencies Corey didn't take this very well and started stalking her so she and her family filed a restraining order he didn't take that well either so he was following his ex-girlfriend around one morning expecting her to go to work he was going to kill her and any other employees and customers there 
but she wasn't going to work. So he went to her house and waited for her. She and her mom pulled up a little later. He got out of his car with a gun behind them and demanded to know why she'd broken up with him. And then in parentheses, it just says, really? And then it says, her mom, Christine, got in between her daughter and Corey and tried to reason with him. So he shot her (gasps) and his ex and ran away. He fired at her four times, but she wasn't hurt. (laughs) If you can believe that shit. He's in prison and he won't be eligible for release until 2049 at the earliest because apparently Minnesota takes their murder a little serious, a little more seriously than some other places. And there's no name. Holy shit. (laughs) Is that fucking epic? That was from April 28th, 2016. That one's been sitting, sitting in the hopper waiting for us. Since almost the beginning of Hometowns. That's incredible. We, oh, I forgot to we say. We just never found it. The last one I just did was from May 2016. And the first one I did was from December 1st, 2016. Oh, okay. Okay. And then this one is from uh, January 31st, 2016. Oh, it says this was the fourth email sent into the MFM <gasps> Gmail. Number four. Oh, yeah. oh my Come God. Come on. I think we had just created it. Yes. And remember you and I in the beginning had to find them on our own. And so it would be like, not only... we. We have to record another episode every week, but we'd have to take like, you know, a half an hour or an hour to find all the stories. And finally, months and we we're like, Stephen, can you start doing this for us? <laughs> like, we don't have time. I'm going to go insane. We do because not. <laughs> yep. At that point, it was already like thousands right. of emails. Like, yeah. So it wasn't just like fight, sifting for a half yeah. hour. It was like a oh whole. Oh, my God. It's like a, it was like a real job. It that was, we suddenly became a job. Too. And you had an actual writing sh- on a TV show job. Two or two. At least at least one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's It's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Here's my last one. Uh, My Lincoln, Nebraska murder story. Mm. Dear Karen and Georgia, I want to express my gratitude to you two for starting the podcast recently. So recently, right? (laughs) Um, Like many kids that were overly grim and painfully awkward in their teenage years, I have a huge interest in serial killers and mass murderers. Hi. I wanted to mention the spree killer from my hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska, Charles Starkweather, which is so crazy. We've never done him. Um, Yeah. I don't know how well known Starkweather is in other parts of the country, but he has made a definite mark in pop culture. Charles and his girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, killed 11 people over two months time in 1959. Charles got the chair and Carol went to prison. I'm 31, so growing up in Lincoln, Starkweather was not widely discussed. I think this was because the murders weren't really that old, and Lincoln was still a relatively insular community at the time. At any time, a relative or acquaintance of the victims could be an earshot, especially in South Lincoln. In a way, Mm -hmm. Charles Starkweather was almost like the boogeyman. A rite of passage for the local high school kids was to hunt around Wayuka Cemetery and search for Starkweather's headstone. It ends up being quite an ordeal as Wayuka is about 120 plus acres. Not too long ago, I was there just to take a walk and I ran into a couple teenage kids who were looking for the headstone. I thought it was pretty cool that it's still a tradition. My intersection with the murders goes back to my first job in high school sometime during the summer of 2001. When Carol Ann Fugate was released from the um, prison in the 70s, she moved out of state and kept her head down. During the murder trial, Charles was prepared to take all the responsibility for the murders. Carol maintained that she wasn't a willing participant, which angered Charles, who changed his story, claiming she was more than willing to assist with the murders. Isn't this what um, Natural Born Killers is kind of loosely based on? 
Do you know that I've never seen that? Movie? Have you? Huh? Uh. It, I loved it as a teenager because it's all fucking crazy and scary. And now I won't watch it again. It's just like really uh, glorifies Gross. violence in an ugly way. The 90s? Yeah. Like when you go look back on some of the the filmic work of the 90s, it's pretty bleak. Yep. So then it says a lot of people here have a special kind of hate for Carol. I worked at a country club that no longer exists as a busboy and occasionally as a server. On a slow afternoon, one of the older waitresses gave me her tables and left for the day in a hurry. As I started to make my rounds to the tables, I noticed some of my coworkers in, um, intently staring at me. One of the tables sat Carol Ann Fugate and her husband, who has since passed. They were both very quiet and polite. They tipped well and didn't stay too long. I guess the waitress refused to wait on Carol, and that's why she took off. Oh. Anyway, I love the show so far and hope you do many more. <laughs> <laughs> Creepily yours, Dak Thompson. <laughs> and then it says, P.S. On episode two, when you started talking about the Jean Benet Ramsey murder, I looked up the Wikipedia article to refamiliarize myself. I was stunned to see that the father, John Ramsey, is also from Lincoln. This seems crazy oh. to me, as I, I know, as I was well aware of the case as it was happening in 96, 97. I never once heard that John Ramsey is from Lincoln. We got mad secrets in Nebraska. <laughs> that's awesome i know dax was dax. that the name d-a-k-k -K, i believe let me see oh yeah, d-a-k-k dak thompson amazing email dak so that, good. that's you know that's also uh that idea of like the after effects of like an infamous because yeah at the beginning dak said something about like i don't know how well known but i feel like everybody knows about charles stark and, that, and yeah. that spree um that idea that yeah like why wouldn't she have moved to like new jersey totally. or somewhere or maine it or sounds something like he said she did but maybe she was like in town because she probably still has family she didn't murder there I, as i'm saying that i'm like wait she murdered didn't they murder her parents did they i don't, I don't know. remember but it's but it's also crazy too to think like you you think of a small town like that it didn't even cross my mind that yeah you could be at a diner talking to your friend about how crazy those murders were and like a victim's mom could be in the booth next yes. to you i was like yes since i'm not from a small town i hadn't even thought of that so yeah. no one talks about it. It's crazy. Right. Or if you're going to talk about it, you do it like in the privacy of your car yeah. or in your house your family, or something. Yeah. You you don't like yap about it, um, which is kind of a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. And just like you never just know something to consider. You never know. Well, the other thing I liked about this story, because at first I was like, oh, it's he's going to tell the story or she's going to tell the story about um Starkweather, but no, it's like the thing we asked for originally, which was, what's your connection to the hometown murder? And it's like, yeah. I fucking waited on them. It's so old school. Yes. Like. That's that actually, Dak uh, executed the assignment perfectly. Yeah. Um, Little info. And then, and then was ignored. And, <laughs> and so now, and has never listened to the podcast since. <laughs> Did exactly what we asked for in a really lovely way, well written. Straight. vulnerable really gave us something uh -huh. what did we do <laughs> we left it in the inbox for five years <laughs> and then at All the right. end he says i hope you do more of these shows <laughs> like, i hope you do more episodes oh we will Dak. we will <laughs> we will Dak. thanks for being there Dak. um if you're still with us god bless god bless um okay so this last one is from may 19th 2016 and i believe wow. that it could qualify as our very first grandma email wow without being solicited holy shit okay let's right do it. i love it and it just starts hello 
I love your show. I just started listening and have been catching up on all the episodes. Oh, May 19th, 2016. Cool. This story isn't from my hometown, but it is a story from my grandmother. I only learned about this last year. Apparently, I missed other tellings of this story. After the war, my grandma was working in a hospital in France. She met my grandpa, who was planning to move to Canada, and she decided to go with him. They planned to get married. The hospital my grandma worked at was run by nuns, most of whom she insists were very nice. <laughs> That's very, very ominous. All the other ones were very nice. They're very nice. But there was this one that used to cr- kind of crouch in the corner, <laughs> rubbing her hands together. When they found out that she was going to get married and move, they were fine with it mostly one nun was very upset because my grandpa had been married before and gotten divorced she tried to convince my grandma to stay and become a nun my grandma didn't want to and that was it Mm. shortly after my grandma got a stomach bug and it wasn't serious but she stayed in the hospital because she worked there and they wanted to keep an eye on her soon after moving to the hospital she got worse and after a while they knew something was wrong and that she wasn't getting better the doctor eventually came and talked to my grandma and her mother saying that they knew what was going on and it would be better if she recovered at home as soon as she went home she got better it was an open secret that the nun who was upset had been poisoning my grandma's food. Holy shit. But my grandma kept working there until she left and isn't upset by it to this day. (laughs) Grandma. (laughs) When she told me, I didn't believe her at first because she was so casual. That's my grandma's almost murdered by a nun story. Hey. And that's it. That's the whole email. (laughs) Oh my God. That is hilarious. Truly my favorite sign off of any email we've ever gotten. (laughs) Hey, with an exclamation point. This seems like this is before people try to like make catchy, funny uh, openers and closers and stuff and give their names in some cases. Yes, that's right. This is just the beginning when you it was up to you to make your email what you wanted it to be. They weren't doing this for like to get attention or anything because we didn't because no one listened to the podcast. So like you're going to get anyone who knew you. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, so hey, who sent in on May 19th, 2016 and told this truly like a harrowing oh, story, oh a God. harrowing grandma story like just that, that ends so grandma style. We just, oh, stop making a big deal she, about it back then. Everyone cared. got poisoned. That was how you showed you cared as you <laughs> basically almost murdered someone. She was, she liked to be, that's all. She did. Oh we my God. Have to well, judge her. was so much fun. Thank you was everyone. Great. Early adopters sending in your stories and ever For since playing ball, anyone who sent them in and hasn't had them read yet, we, we see you. We just haven't seen we your see email. Yeah. We hear you. We're digging through. That's right. And uh, and thanks, Lily, for coming up with this idea yeah. because I think it was very, it was an idea whose time had come. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so good. Yay. Um, I can't believe yay. 200 episodes, you guys. Thank you so fucking much for listening and for making this a thing that you want to listen to and, and happen. Yep. And um, for participating with all of your personal and hometown stories, we love you for it and we appreciate it stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye Goodbye. elvis you want a cookie